darkness rolls in like an unexpected storm. Beauty in the fury of the never-ending burden, firmly planted on bared weary shoulders, agonizingly present, searing, stabbing pain escapes through my worn-out ragged veins, despondent. Silent tears pay homage to the wind from which tainted arrows of despairing grief fire from a bow of forgotten memories. Darkness comes. Revered for its oppressive power, my lamenting heart cries out, must grief be forever revisited? My tortured will diminished, silenced by the unloving taunting of my overflowing thoughts. For surely this too must pass, but I do not want it so. For without this wounded, grieving soul, I am but merely a mask of many faces. Darkness comes, and this time I welcome it, like death by a thousand cuts tearing gently at what remains with ferocious speed. Vulnerability is not for me, for there is no me to give. Inhale, exhale. Grief has snuck in, resting on my shuddering chest like a false prophet of comfort looking for a path in between the glossed over cracks glissading into my broken ragged pieces like intertwining lovers in the stolen nights fueling each other into tormented existence darkness steals away like a thief in the night my soul its unexpected treasure my unshed tears the hidden gem it sought my broken heart the mess it leaves behind dawn breaks has purpose been reborn Shall I make peace with it, unwillingly, reluctantly? Inhale, exhale. At last, tears flow freely. Is this grief healing? Bulavanaka, everybody, and welcome to my podcast, Digressions of a Fijian. I'm your host, Isabella, and it's always awesome to have you back and have you join us for a new episode. I hope you enjoy this next one that I've prepared for you. It's a little bit different. It's a bit about um, me sharing some vulnerable moments about memories with regards to my grandfather and my mother. And I hope you really do enjoy it. When I was a little child at preschooler age, I would spend most of my days with my paternal grandparents at our village. It was what I considered to be my utopia growing up. Life was perfect. Granted, yes, my grandfather was strict, but he taught me simple but very important life skills, such as how to nurture and plant certain traditional food crops. He taught me the importance of saving water, as we didn't have piped water facilities at that time to our village, even though we can be considered to be one of the closest village Korovo town. He taught me the importance of our different traditional roles and he also taught me about table etiquette even. He was after all a retired army officer and an educator so you could say that this is where remnants of being in the army and also as someone who grew up and was educated and worked during the colonized era of Fiji came into play. He was also really particular about hygiene and cleanliness, something I can say that I still carry with me, even till today, almost to a fault, you could say. 
as I can get a little obsessive with the way I clean a home or how my children do their chores. But I guess the most important thing that my grandfather taught me or introduced me to was the art of spoken word, the art of journal writing, and the art of listening, which in his role as the head of our village was a very important part of his everyday task in serving the members of our village. Now, storytelling and spoken word has always been something I associated with Western style of education, which I guess you can say is unsurprising considering the Victorian style of learning that I was exposed to through the Fijian education system. But if I'm being really honest, my introduction, you could say, or exposure into the art of storytelling and spoken word, like I mentioned earlier, began in my village, began in Matadula, in the northern part of Tailevo. I guess you could say that it started from when I was taught and learned how to introduce myself in the Fijian vernacular. And so I was taught and memorized these lines as a young child of about age three or four, where I would say to people I would be introduced to by my grandfather or my parents. Nisambula vinaka, neadango Isabella nainduki, aungone leo ni matudula, manatikino namalata, tailevu. O vasu ena koro naru vivo, nayao lao. Nanungutokotoka, Onatambutale, Nanungu Matangali, Onatambutale, Nanungu Yavusa, Onawaimbuta, Nanungu Manumanu, Naremba, Nanungu Ika, Naika Loa, Nanungu Kau, Nasa. It didn't really help that I had a Western first name. So that used to almost take away the authenticity of my trying to introduce myself in the Fijian vernacular because it would throw people off. But my grandfather, the wise man that he was, more or less drilled the entire recital into me so that anyone who would have any doubts with that first line about my identity would have those doubts dismissed by how authoritative my self-determination was when relaying my introduction. And so in my usual long-winded meandering and lengthy way of getting to the point of what I'm trying to tell you. Therein was born my love for the art of curating and weaving magical oral storytelling. I was the kid who would make up magical lands where my cousins and I could escape to. I was the kid that would exaggerate the powers of the spirits and demons that circled our homes when the sun set for the day. I was also the kid that would constantly get told to go cut my own switch that I would get thrashed with from my grandfather's hedges that bordered his compound because I was always testing boundaries. I remember this one time, my cousin Nico and I got punished for trying to light a candle under my grandparents' home because I wanted us to pretend to be Catholic nuns that were being persecuted and hunted by pagan warriors. It was another cousin of ours, Kamanalangi, who snitched on us. However, we couldn't for the life of us see the error of our ways, even though we could have potentially burned down the colonial style homestead home my grandfather had built for my grandmother when they first got married more than six decades before. I remember going to the dreaded hedge line and trying to decide whether I should just cut the smallest branch and hope that my grandfather wouldn't notice, or did I bite the bullet and cut the biggest branch 
and just receive my punishment like the hero I was now seeing myself as. I decided to go for the latter, but I left the leaves on and went into character mode where I was still the persecuted nun, now captured. You can imagine that before the brunch even landed on the back of my legs, the entire village could hear my wailing. I mean, it didn't help that my grandfather's house was on a hill that overlooked the village. And to add to my fall from grace, as the persecuted nun character nonetheless, after the punishment was meted out, I was told to clean up my mess. Or as I remember the famous lines as, Dula Isabella, kunitangi, samaka nanumumbenu. Now one thing that I did appreciate though was how my grandfather would explain to us afterwards why we had to be punished and that it ended there like a slate wiped clean. You can bet I never lit a candle under his house ever again and to this day hate candles with a passion. I think it might stem from that experience. Now this same gentleman who was very regimented in his ways and how he spent time with us, his grandchildren, had a particular Friday routine for each of us. He would call all of us and ask each of us to recite four lines of poetry, preferably in the Fijian vernacular or the Serakali. My cousins who lived in the village could recite paragraphs without any effort. And it was such beautiful language that they would use to describe things around them, to describe activities that they had done that day. But as for me, someone who had been born and brought up initially in Suva, I struggled. And each Friday, I would feel this intense pressure of having to create four lines of poetry in the Fijian vernacular. I remember one time, which my cousins still laugh about today, where I tried to describe the rising of the sun. And it went. And a vimataka, and the Ovaka and Ritiana than Rimatani singer. A sarindo tangilangalang and a lungo and a canare than a canon du rocker rocker, and a delany cambuni the one imataka. Kaulus talian and delny no gumode mode. Looking back, I know I really should have just ended it at the third line, but I continued because, like I mentioned earlier, I like to push boundaries, and as a result, I was handed an hours-long lecture on respecting the sacredness of feeling language and emotion, and not everything is really meant to be a joke. So these Friday afternoon activities continued right up until we were in the final years of our primary school, as it was also during this time that my grandfather's health started to decline, and his quick-witted and intelligent mind was no longer as sharp as it was when we were much younger. However, Despite his declining health, he continued to write in his journals. He continued to record his everyday activities and his thoughts about his declining health, his wife's declining health, and what was to become of his family. If you follow my blog and social media postings, especially Facebook, you'll notice that I write and talk about two people a lot. These two people are my grandfather and my mother. They both played a very important role and had a lot of influence on my life growing up. I say that without wanting to take away from my dad, um, as yes, he does play an important role in my life also. But it's because these two people are no longer around that I write about them, because I fear the thought of forgetting them. Today, while pottering around home trying to get some household chores done, 
I started thinking about how I don't have any recordings of either of them and that I don't know if I can remember the sound of their voices. I actually sat down and tried to really think about what they sounded like. So I put my headphones on and pretended to be listening to music and just concentrated on those single instances of interactions with my mother and my grandfather separately. With my grandfather, I was transported back to evenings in the village when an uncle from the village who was also the Turangani Koro then would come to see him about a village task. I would be tasked with preparing the Yongona ceremony implements for them and calling an older cousin to come and do the task of Ngaravi Yongona. I would sit at my grandfather's feet as he would be on his chair, facing my uncle and my cousin, and listen to them talking about the upcoming village tasks and what needed to be done. In that moment of silence as I sat down trying to remember my grandfather's voice, I could almost hear the buzzing of the insects that were flying around the hurricane lanterns that were on the table in the corner lighting up the room. The shadows that played against the walls, the night sounds from the dark outside, and the cold breeze that came in through the open side doors. There was the faint aroma of the insect repellent coils in the corner of the living room area that kept the outside insects at bay. I could smell the fresh voivoy that my grandmother had just weaved into the edge of the mat earlier that day in the parts that had begun to wear down from the many feet that passed over it. And then, in that moment of solitude, as I sat on the couch in my living room, that was when I heard my grandfather's deep baritone voice, speaking with such quiet authority, firm, yet at the same time so fatherly, agreeing with what was planned and asking questions where he felt there could be more efficient ways to go about the task being discussed. My uncle, who has since passed, responding with an even quieter tone, relaying the village's thoughts, being the bridge between the village and the head of the village, and thus being the voice of many. I was taken back to a time where silence didn't need to be filled with mindless chatter. That silence meant that the request was being considered and the answer would be discussed at a later time when all options had been weighed. Silence meant appreciation for the time taken to relay the message. Silence meant acknowledging the role that each person played in being able to do the work collectively. But in that silence, with my eyes closed, I saw the heavy lines in my grandfather's forehead etched from the worry about the changing times. Worry born from knowing that what awaited those of us from my generation was much different to what his generation had to live through and triumphed in. I listened and heard his voice and was reminded once again why this voice who against all odds achieved things that only sheer determination could have paved the way for. I listened and heard the voice that unknowingly stirred the embers for my love of creative thinking and writing. So the second voice that I had to sort of center myself again to remember what she sounded like was my mother's. And I was taken back to choir practice at Windakua Methodist Church in Cunningham. You see, my mother sang with the altos in our church choir. And being the youngest, I would accompany my parents to choir practice, especially leading up to the annual Methodist conference where they would participate in the choir competitions. I would have a book with me and my mother would pack a blanket and a little cushion that I could use when I got tired later on. 
I would read to the sound of beautiful Fijian voices singing church hymns so effortlessly harmonizing to warm their voices up before they started practicing the different musical bars on their music sheet that each of them would hold. My mother would make sure to sit right at the edge of the church pew so that I could have space to stretch myself out if I wanted to sleep, and I would fall off to sleep with my head on the cushion on her lap and her deep alto voice echoing throughout my dreams. I would dream of faraway lands that I had just read in the book I had chosen for the evening, and the soundtrack would be my mother's voice singing my favorite hymn, Chisu Sakaditiko Lakobua, which I always find myself humming to every now and then without even thinking about what it is I am humming and why that hymn resonates on such a different level with me. So that was me today, sad that I was slowly forgetting my grandfather's voice, sad that my mother's voice was getting fainter. But I took it also as a wake-up call with regards to sitting and listening, almost as a way to remember them and tell my stories in the way I was indirectly taught from my life experiences with them. Telling the stories in the way we were brought up to relay our family histories, with descriptions that evoke emotion that reminds one of the smell of firewood that has turned to white embers that a blackened cattle with a domboy tea sits on top of that evokes emotions that reminds your senses of the sweet taste of kavika that your mother plucked from the kavika tree by your grandfather's tete that you're both seeking shelter under from the sweltering heat of the Tailevu sun. Emotions that stir that ever-present numbing pain of grief in the pits of your stomach that never does fully go away, but eventually dulls to a familiar ache that now is accompanied with the bittersweet memories that you smile through because it reminds you of happier days also. Emotions that remind you that you don't need to abide by the white man's rule of thumb when writing your story, especially as a member of the Pacifica diaspora. Emotions that tell you that your indigenous language is so complex and defies all the rules that Western grammar restricts their language with, and that your story was meant to leap beyond these rules and be heard by audiences willing to learn about us from us. Nakavakalevu for joining me for yet another episode on Digressions of a Fijian. This podcast and the content that I create is a way of my healing, you could say, from uh, being able to come to terms with grief and feeling the emotions that comes with losing loved ones. I really do hope that you've uh, learned a bit about me and why I write the way that I do, and also why I think it's so important that we write in the language that we were we were brought up in. I think at times our Western style of education influences our thought processes, and it takes a bit of self-awareness to, to realize how important it is to share our stories and share it the way that our family members shared their stories with us. The spoken word piece that I shared uh, in the beginning of this podcast is something that I wrote when I lost my mom in 2013. It was something I wrote to, to make sense of the grief that I felt and I still feel. So I really do hope that uh, it resonates as much as it does for me especially for those of us who have lost loved ones. So I hope you'll join us again for our next episode. And don't forget to subscribe and share this with your family and friends.